If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaan Bound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Philip Wells, and this is episode number 97. We begin today with God's Word for You with Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You. Job 32, verses 1 to 9, beginning at verse 1. And this is a new man, Elihu, speaking. So these three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Well, we've now moved into a new part of the poem. The cycle of speeches from Job's friends together with Job's replies has ended, and this judgment has been passed. They stopped because Job was righteous in his own eyes. Of course, the book also began by telling us that Job was blameless and upright in God's eyes, too. And that was in the very first verse. Let's read two more verses. But Elihu, son of Barakel the Buzite of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute Job and yet had condemned him. So as Elihu steps up onto the stage, we have to look at a challenging passage, verse 2. Normally, family information is provided for people of significance in the Bible, like in the background that's given for the queen mothers of Judah in 2 Chronicles 13.2 and really throughout 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. Very few famous or significant people are known from Job's time. Bible historians have sometimes speculated that Elihu might actually be the false prophet Balaam from the account of the latter part of the Exodus in Numbers 22 to 24, who was actually killed uh, in Judah's war against, or in Israel's war against Midian in Numbers chapter 31. But I don't think that's likely. Job's date, although uncertain, seems to be earlier than the Exodus, unless Balaam was given a very long life, such as Job himself. But Luther comments on this. Some of the church fathers, Luther said, say that Balaam, who at first was a saintly man and a godly priest, was also born from the same family. But later, after he had been corrupted and ruined by the gifts of the king of the Moabites, he lapsed. They also maintain that the man who is called Elihu in Job is Balaam, but we leave these matters in doubt. Nevertheless, it is reasonable to believe that this line of the patriarchs preserved the knowledge of God even outside of the church of Abraham. As for Elihu's ancestors, we can't really say anything about his father Barakel, except that his name means blessing of God. It's not the same root as the name of Israel's judge Barak, whose name means lightning flash. The Buzites were a clan related to the people of Uz. We see that in Genesis 22. And in fact, were related to the people of Bethuel. We know Bethuel because he was the father of Rebekah, Isaac's wife, and her brother Laban. One Jewish tradition thinks that the ram mentioned here was actually Abraham, but there isn't any support for this anywhere else. We should conclude that Elihu was a young man of an influential family. Later in in life, he might have become a man of importance. Let's read verse uh, 4 to 9. 
Now Elihu had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So Elihu, son of Barakel the Buzite, said, I am young in years, and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. But is it is the spirit of in a person, the breath of the Almighty, that gives them understanding. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. Elihu's arguments sound like accusations we hear to this day, even from Christians. Job knew that he wasn't guilty of any particular sin that caused all his troubles, but that doesn't mean that Job thought he was a man who never committed any sins. The accusations of all Job's friends, including Elihu, was about the source of Job's troubles. Again and again we have beaten our fists against this wall, and again and again we have seen that there are simply some things that are unknowable to mankind. But God knows everything. Job's troubles were simultaneously a test of his faith and a glorification of God. Elihu tries to say that not only the old are, not only the old are wise, but the truth is that only God himself is truly wise. We turn to God for comfort and relief, and we know that by his grace alone we have our rescue from sin and from death. Elihu let age speak before taking his spot on the stage, but we step off the stage to let the Lord alone tell us everything we need to know. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now a song by Branches Band, Renew Me, O Eternal Light, from their album, Eternal Light.
And now we join Pastor Tom Barthel with the Canaan Bound Devotion. Born again, a new creation. This is the last of a 12-part series on spiritual rebirth. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. One of the amusing aspects of the old Etch-a-Sketch toy was that you could erase your drawing with a simple shake. You really didn't have the option of erasing a single line. It was nearly impossible to just choose certain points that you wanted to erase. Really, the whole image had to be shaken away. Then, you could start all over again. God has made each believer a whole new person. Yet God didn't just shake us and say, Wake up, do better next time. It isn't up to us. He brought us a whole new person and brought about a whole new part of his own design. He himself did this through Jesus. It is a most profound thought that you are a new creation. So it is with every believer in Christ. The old is gone. You have died with Christ. One died for all, and therefore all died. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. His payment for sins covers ours. Not just part of our sin, not just one line or one spot, but all of it. Your wrong and guilt are completely removed by his own blood. You are altogether a new creation. After Jesus died, he rose to life. And the reason he died and rose was that you might live a new life. No, the second birth God gave you is not your second chance to get things right. You are right with God because of who you are in Christ. All clean for Jesus' sake. Now what? A new creation of thanksgiving to God. Live for him who died and was raised again. The old has gone, the new has come. Father in heaven, thank you for my rebirth. I know that because of your son Jesus, the old has gone and the new has come. I will give you thanks forever. We meditate on the word of our God once again from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And now we take a look at 1 Peter with Pastor Mark Falk. 1 Peter 1, verse 13. Prepare for action. Therefore, prepare your, your minds for action. Be self-controlled, yet set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. NIV 1984. Up to this point in 1 Peter, it has been all about God, His grace, what He has done, for us. Indeed, when all is said and done, we will spend eternity praising God for a salvation that is all His work. But that does not make a believer passive. God's will works in us to will and to do according to His good pleasure. Philippians. We can accomplish nothing without God, overcoming our former animosity, our evil will towards Him. But once God has made us his own, once he creates in us a new person of faith, we are not without power. What Peter, really what God commands here, he enables us to do. He commands us to action, to an act of our will. Indeed, we are always willing something. When Satan is in the saddle, his will drives us toward evil of every kind. Some of it is obvious, 
Some of it is deceptively hidden under a facade of good thinking and willing and doing. But God is in the saddle now for all who are his children by faith. And though we always remain the receivers of grace, God creates in us a new will that is anything but passive. All of this remains a struggle. My German devotional, as I read it, was very pointed this morning in changing the rhetoric. The Christian life is not a walk, it is warfare. It strikes me that in some sense, Satan, in some sense, Satan has succeeded in inculcating in Islam a doctrine of jihad, which is not always about physical warfare, that is a deceptive counterfeit of what the Christian life is and ought to be. We must struggle against the unholy trinity of devil, world, and our own flesh, our sinful nature, our old man, our old Adam. This is not passive. It is no walk in the park. It is not a job for spiritual sissies. The Greek here carries a vivid picture that the English fails to reproduce. It speaks of tying up the skirts of our mind. Remember that the dress of that day was not pants and shirt, but long flowing robes. Ask any woman what it is like to run in a skirt or a long dress. When Israel left Egypt, they had to hitch up their long robes and tie them up out of the way of their legs. That's the picture. This is what it means to prepare your minds for action. I confess that I am far too often passive in my Christian life, observing, taking in what books and TV and media feed me. I need to be more active in the sense of constantly preparing myself, mentally and spiritually, for the challenges of each day. And that does include sitting before the Word and the feet of Jesus and receiving what He has to give me. He assures me of forgiveness, life, and salvation through faith in His life and blood and sacrifice. But it also includes the struggle of prayer, the struggle of repentance, the vigilance to challenge the darts which the world throws at my Christian heart. At the end of this struggle is the grace we shall receive when Jesus returns. We are already recipients of grace. Forgiveness is grace. Life is grace. Faith is about grace. In the end, the goal of grace is being welcomed into heaven when Jesus appears to judge the world. Meanwhile, it is not a walk, but a fight. And we do well to actively cry out to our God for strength and wisdom and perseverance for the battle. Grace has brought us thus far. Grace will welcome us home. Grace summons us to battle and provides the weapons. God's word and prayer. We end our time this week with a song by Koine from their album, Visit. When in our music... God is glorified. When in our music God is glorified Adoration leaves no room for pride. It is as though the whole creation cried, Alleluia, Alleluia.
You have been listening to episode 97 of Canaan Bound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in February of 2015. Visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com to subscribe, listen to old episodes, or find links to the artists featured on this show. We'd like to thank Branches Band and Koine for allowing us to share their music with you this week. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.